Wonderful favorite topic. This is probably the, the number one choice by almost everybody. Let's see if I got it. And it is on giving. Yes! I finally get to teach on giving. You know, stats and uh, polls have shown you guys just thrilled about this subject. You know, we've done a couple calls around to everybody in the church. And this ranked number one. By everybody here. Do you, do you remember the phone call? Did you guys get the phone call? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe it's one of those Ecos polls then. Huh. Oh, well. Imaginary polls. Well, you can't always trust the polls. Anyway, today, I'd like to zoom in on a subject that I've been asked to teach on. And it is on giving. How do we understand giving in a, in a healthy way? From a grace lens, how do we pursue the subject that's uncomfortable? And can I recommend a couple of things? This, this, again, this is from my heart. I am uncomfortable talking about this. This is one of my fear factors. If pastors have to play fear factor, it's the number one sermons on giving. I'm, I'm not kidding. The fear is this, that we'll be misunderstood. I don't want to be misunderstood, but if you've been a part of this church long enough, you know my heart. If you're new to the church, Listen carefully to the intent of what I'm trying to say today. And if you came hoping for a super encouraging message and instead you got a giving message, flip it. It will be an encouraging message. Because I want to speak to your heart about the attitude of giving. And this cartoon is a perfect picture of the Western church. And how, actually, there should be two hands up. One's a cell phone, one's a wallet. But anyway, <laughs> it's very funny. So I'd like to look into some flawed understandings about giving. Let's look back for a moment at two cities that were destroyed. Now, they were destroyed for a reason. Sodom and Gomorrah. How many of you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay. Why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? And before you answer, I'm not going to let you answer because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed shouting out the wrong thing. I'm going to show you, and write this down if you're a writer, Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50 declares why Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. It was not for all the sinning they were doing. Not at all. The stuff that has been the popular answer for why they were destroyed. The real reason they were destroyed is this. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. That is why Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Right in Scripture. I'm not making it up. Look it up yourself. Memorize it. It's a great verse to memorize and put on your mirror. Sometimes what we think is the answer is not the answer. Sometimes what we think the answer is forgiving is not the real answer. We have been blasted by televangelists and, and, and usury traveling speakers who manipulate people's wallets. It happens all through the Middle East and Africa and India and Pakistan where a, 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 a special popular person will go and they take the money. And they, they sell God with miracles and blessings. Not everybody. Please, don't. It's not a blanket statement. It's just a real pattern that is going on. 
And even on television, you know, they get you to put your hand on the TV. And of course, you have to put your credit card number in with it and call them and make your donation. And then you'll really get blessed. Or if you buy this little tiny little vial of sand from the Sea of Galilee or a splinter of the cross, they sell it or whatever. They, they, it, the selling of this crap is baloney. And they do it all in the name of God and Christianity. I'll tell you this, they do it in the name of the Christian religion, not Jesus Christ. The name of the Christian religion, not Jesus Christ. The Bible does not say to give so that you will get. It does not say that as an instruction. Here, the, the motive is to be giving so you get. That's not it. It also doesn't say, you're going to, in order to give, you must give in order to be blessed. And if you don't, you're cursed. Okay? I'm going I'm to get into some of these flaws. Giving has been given a bad name. I like to revive giving as the new natural. We're to be giving in all aspects of life. Biblical giving is not just the church family. That's only one category. Are you supporting your family? then you're giving to the Lord. You are in your family. You're providing for the needs. God has provided you with income to serve your family and its needs. And you better do that. And don't be selfish about it. He's also called you to be giving towards those who have needs, the poor, the hungry. Love those who have needs. And of course, Paul, we're going to talk about this later, those that are going to be supporting the message of the gospel and spreading of it, support it. You're called to do that. You're called to support those who do the teaching of this message. It's all there. Giving isn't a rule that has to happen in church. Some people say the only way to give to God is in the church. Do you know where they get the idea from? The Old Testament when the people had to give to God at the temple as the one place. Any Jews here? No. And there's no more sacrificial system? That was completely eradicated in 70 AD. It's no longer, so you're not under that. You never were. Isn't that interesting? Tithe. What is the tithe? Some people think the tithe is Abraham before the law came, when he gave 10% of his spoils, of his booty that he got. He gave 10% of what he just raked in to Melchizedek. And, and people have taken that, transferred it to the new covenant, and said, ha, see, that was before law. And guess what? That was him just being generous. Tithe is 10%. I hear some people say, we should go back to teaching the tithe. Really? You want to go back to the tithe? If you really want to do tithe, you have to also add in all the other offerings and taxes, and it equals to about 30% of your income right off the top. Do you want to go back to the tithe? Sign me up. Anybody? Anybody? Didn't think so. So, be careful what you wish for. Abraham only gave of the spoils of war. Then, when you finally hear about the tithe that the church typically talks about, it comes from the law. And here's what happened. Israel's divided into 12 tribes. Each of them were given land except one. So they could take care of the, the, themselves and, and create a, an economy within their own tribes and share with the other tribes. It was, it was incredible, except one tribe. They were called to serve the Lord. In order to support them, 
all the tribes had to give of their, uh, the, um, the bounty of their crops they had to give to support them because they couldn't go out and work. They were doing the work of the Lord, taking care of the temple, doing the teaching, doing the sacrifices, all the stuff of the law, making sure everything's fine. And they had families to raise too. So everybody was supporting. It was a community effort. Do you, can you see that? It was the community supporting itself. And there is a parallel today in that, in the local church. If you, if you want to see a parallel, there is one to be seen. My job, for one, is to spend time serving you and loving you and, and teaching and developing leaders and all that kind of stuff. So the group needs to support the work that I do. I have a right to ask for that. The scriptures talk about that. I'll point it out later and gently emphasize it. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was a joke. Lighten up. <laughs> Giving's a happy subject, remember? So there was a system in place in the Old Testament that provides for everybody. In that temple system was also the way to provide for the needy. It was all taken care of through that system. But that was a Jewish system only. Okay? Doesn't mean principles can't transfer. Doesn't mean it can't be encouraging later and, and what can we take from it in the New Covenant. Doesn't mean that you can't. But you don't make it a law. You cannot. The law was given. It was meant for celebrations and feasts. Then you have the covenants, new and old. The old covenant system was like this. If you obey, you'll be blessed. You disobey. God's going to get you. Good Italian. Just trying to think of the Italian voice. I didn't do it very well, but you know what I'm saying. That is the old covenant way for the Jews. The new covenant way is... God has blessed you, period. And you are all under the new covenant. You are all under the covenant of grace. You have been blessed with all that you need. You've been given everything you need in Christ to be right, to be righteous, to be clean. Like that song we just sang, forgiven. You are, you're accepted. That alone should cause the joy of your heart to bubble up and go, wow, I've got a good God. Wow, and I'm with good people. This is amazing. Tremendous joy in that. An unexpected argument for the new versus old, but it is not the issue. What is not at issue is whether a Christian should or should not give, but rather how we should give. Now that we know we are under grace and free from the law of the old covenant, you always were free from the law of the old covenant, but you're under grace. So ask yourself this question. Why, if it does, why does this subject irk you if it does? It's a good question to ask. Why does it bug you? Could it be you don't like to be told what to do? <laughs> There's a great chance that's your primary one. Or is it because uh, I know I should be giving more, but I don't and I feel guilty? I don't know. Why does it bug you when things are talked about money? It's, it's probably the most uncomfortable subject in the church at large. That's why it's so hard for me to talk about it. But I don't want to be uncomfortable because it is the DNA of Jesus living in you to just be a generous person and all the needs that are there. So if that's the case, then it shouldn't be an issue. You should go, oh, okay, let's, let's learn about what it means to give under grace. How can I live out 
And am I living out the way I need to? And if I'm not, oh my goodness, I just got a revelation of how I can. That's exciting. Instead of, crap, he just told us more stuff to do. That's not it. If you hear that, that's not my heart. My heart is instead to say, let's become the grace-generous people we say we are, be who we are, because this message we have to share is not just for hope fellowship. It's to start going out and beyond. I just came back from Mexico, and Steve McVeigh was talking about the ministry of Grace Walk and its direction, and man, this thrills me, which is parallel to what our leadership team is talking about here at Hope Fellowship, and that's this. We've been talking about going deeper and deeper and deeper. Know your identity. Go deeper. Oh, deep, deeper. No, let's go deeper, deeper. We go deeper into study, study, study. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. I'm a good person. Oh, praise God. Yay. Keep telling me more, more, more good, but me, 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 me. No. That's nice, but deep is good. We now need to go wider. Go beyond the church. Without sounding like religious weirdos. How can we have an impact on unbelievers? How can we take the message of the finished work of the cross to those who don't believe anything? And how are we all positioned perfectly to have relationships with certain people outside of the church? Everybody here is. You just may not know it or believe it. But that is what I'm getting excited about. Let's go wider with this. And how do we do it as a family? The rationale for tithing argument goes something like this. Abraham is the father of all who believe. Abraham paid tithes. He didn't. Abraham paid the tithe before the law was introduced. It wasn't called a tithe. It was he, gave, he just gave 10%. Tithing is a pre-law and therefore still applicable. Folks, tithing issue was under the law only. As a law, you must tithe. And that was 10% of your income. Now, let me give you a heads up. There's nothing wrong with this. I give 10%. That is, that is mine. Now, because I grew up with a legalistic picture, that's where I got it from initially. But I came to a place where I had to really question it because I realized I was being legalistic. And then now I realized this is, this is my heart offering. This is from who I am so that the work can be done. And that is my heartbeat. Not because I have to. Because I want to. And here's what it is. The more I get to know my Lord, the more I see the work going on all around me, I'm excited to give to those things that produce fruit for the gospel of grace. That's what I want to invest in. And anything that's more legalistic, I've stopped giving to. And by the way, the church is not the only place to give to. <laughs> There are other ministries that are worth supporting. You know, support where you're fed. This is, this is important for those that come here. This, it's good. But this is not the only place. There are other people you want to bless and encourage. Fantastic. Go do that. Any church that says, you must give here first. That's a control freak. Instead, I want you to hear the heart for Hope Fellowship at least. And if you're watching this online, wherever you go to church, wherever you, if you're in a small group, support it. If you're supporting a ministry, go support it. But for Hope Fellowship, if you're here, support it. Because this is your family. And there's no God club that you're getting, getting smacked over the head with. It's a grace encouragement. Big difference in attitude. What else? Reasons some give. Some people give as insurance. God will get me if I don't. Really? That, that's a perception. And another one, investment. God will bless me if I do. <laughs> so the, there's this mindset. In fact, I grew up uh, uh, in a home that was quite legalistic in, in as far as the money goes. And uh, even when I got a flat tire, I thought, 
rats, I didn't tithe this week. That's God getting it back because he has a way of getting his funds. What? That's what I really, really believe. And there are many, many who do. You may laugh because maybe this church is already far more on the journey of grace and freedom than many others. But that is a real thought of some people. You know, uh, that is not grace. It has to come from the heart. And we're going to show you from Scripture what that looks like. An unexpected argument. There are many who come to understand the new covenant and grace think that it's progression. Once under law, now we're under grace. But you have always been under grace. You have never been under law. You may have bought into legalism and placed yourself under it, but you were never under it. And I think those of us who have been exposed to legalism that way, we have the hardest time unlearning. The people outside the church have no hard time unlearning religion. <laughs> They hear good news and they'd eat it up. I happened to have an awesome opportunity with the fire department chaplaincy and the funeral home chaplaincy to constantly meet unchurched people. People who don't yet believe or believe but don't recognize the belief that's already there. It's fun to kind of put a hook in and draw out more and more of what's really going on in their hearts and, and help them, uh, really what they're doing is they're comparing religion to faith. So I use the term, they're far more spiritual than they want to admit. They're not religious, but they have a spiritual hunger, which comes from their identity of who they are. Love is the key. Love is the motivator. Love works in and through you. That is the argument. It's not about how much, the amount, but it is why. Why do you give? Why do you give to whatever? I give to my family because I want them to eat. I want them to live in a home. I want the lights on. I want, you know, I want them, them to enjoy life and experience things for joy. And it's good to do that. Same thing in the church. I give because I want this church to become alive more and more. I want it built up so that we can go do more than we do instead of just maintain. And that's my heart for you guys. I, I know we're behind in deficit. But so what? I'd like to see us become above budget at some point so we can start to plan for better and bigger. We can't do that. We haven't been able to because all we've been doing is reacting and reacting and reacting to year after year after year. Well, let's stop it. Let's start to realize this is a phenomenal place, a place of grace, a place that's a sending unit. You guys are ready. may not realize it. Knowing your God. This is the basis of giving. When we give, we begin by knowing who God is. Who is he? And then most of us know. But then we recognize who we are in God. This is another motivator. But then we respond to the revelation. And that's what giving is, is a response. It's a response to the joy and the revelation he's given us. It's good news. It has to be good news. Example, oops. Examples in scripture, just two quick ones. What happened when the lepers came and they asked to be healed? Jesus healed the 10, one guy came back, and what did he do? Thanked, that was a response. Thanksgiving, we did that a couple weeks ago. Thanksgiving, 
Beautiful picture. Or the woman at the well. <laughs> Here's a woman who'd been divorced, she's in a relationship now, and, and Jesus comes in knowing full well all of her crud and just loved her through and through. And as soon, as soon as she discovered the non-judgmental heart of Jesus, that he was fully accepting her and was speaking into her soul, she leapt with joy and became thankful and went to go what? Tell others. This is beautiful evidence of knowing Christ is active in our lives and the revelation of his love for us. It's telling people. I'm not talking about going door to door. It's about in the relationships you have, begin to express the joy in an authentic way, not a religious way, in an authentic way. It's powerful. What does Scripture have to say? Let's take a look at some Scriptures, because I think Scripture can speak to your heart better than what I can. Proverbs, Old Covenant. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Without even using the Bible, okay, you can look at our culture and principles of financial wealth. It is from the very beginning, the top crust, you put your giving money aside and your savings money. Every smart financial planner will encourage you to have charity giving and savings out of all your income off the top, because they know you won't do it on the end part. Do it off the top as a discipline. It's a wise thing to do, family budgeting. Who has, don't put your hands up, but who, who has Hope Fellowship on as their budget item? Is this part of your family? In my family budget, I've got all these items, hydroelectricity, water, internet, TV, all, the, all these items, food, gasoline, insurances, house insurance, car insurance, all these items listed exactly what the cost is per month. So I know this is what I'm committed to. It's a picture of what I value. After income, as soon as I mark how much I have as income, the next item is giving. And we give to a couple things. But giving. Because that's what I've come to see as the fruit of the Holy Spirit in all I do. I think I'm a generous person, and I would like to become even more generous. Because I think that reflects the love of Christ. Not just generous in finances. Generous with time. There's some of you that have needed to talk, and I'll give up time doing something else for you. Generous giving. It's giving. There's, there's many ways to give. It's big. 1 Corinthians. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, interesting here, he has directed the churches to support. Giving them encouragement, not as a rule, but say, hey, guys, they need it, please support. You have means, please give. So do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, as he may prosper, so that no collections will be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it's fitting for me, also they will go with me. This was for a gift for the people in Jerusalem who are going through a hard time. This is about giving. This is about at the front end of the week, the beginning of every week. Plan in advance so that, oh no, we're behind. We, got, we don't have enough. This was smart advice. Next. 2 Corinthians. 
Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Who? That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. These are hurting people who gave generously even in their poverty. They were generous with what they had. They were joyful about it. They understood the grace of God and liberally gave. This comes from the heart, not dictated. That's what makes this part fun. And then it goes on. And this, not that we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. This is the key right here. Don't give because you heard a message on giving. And if you have to go into a default and say, well, then I'm not going to give. No. Be who you are. Act out what you know is true. Still give. But ask the Lord to change your heart. Give yourself first to the Lord. Say, Father, um, I've been doing my budget my way. Uh, How do you want to influence it? And if I'm not that teachable, maybe make me teachable because this is not easy. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what changes need to be made. Watch the fruit that comes from that. Listen to this. So we urge Titus that he had previously made a, uh, made a beginning so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. This gracious work, the complete of a gracious work is the grace of giving. This is specifically a grace of giving. And all of you have been given that gift. Some have been given a bigger spiritual gift of giving. That's a different thing altogether. But all of us have the grace of giving put into us, in our hearts. It's in your DNA. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Put your money where your mouth is. It's pretty cool. Next, 2 Corinthians Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I have yet to hear laughter when people are taking up offering. (laughs) I know it's weird, but anyway. Wrong denomination. (laughs) But anyway, this part here, do you know how you say You've heard the term, uh, or at least on TV, they'll say, God will bless you if you give. He'll give you tenfold, a hundredfold, all that stuff. To say that, I believe, is inaccurate. But to say this is very accurate. That as you give generously, God will bless you. If you give a little, you will be blessed. There is a proven principle in sowing and reaping. Guaranteed. Hear this. The motivation is not to get as much as possible. Because in God's economy, this is how it works. He blesses so that you can give, so that you will get more, so that you'll give more, get more, give. It's a cycle. So the community, the economy of God is supported. He provides the seed. He provides your jobs. He's the one who's given you such a great income And for some that don't have a great income, that's the income God has provided you with right now. Be generous with the income you do have. And there are other ways to be generous. 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. When we give, we give thanks. When you put an envelope in the offering bag, when you send a check to a ministry, do it with thanksgiving, saying, Father, this is exciting. I'm, I'm giving in to what you have put on my heart. Oh, I pray that this will go 10 times, 100 times further than what I could have done with this. And just pray for that. Why not? Watch, see what happens. Try it for a month. Try it for three months. Test God in this and see he is faithful. It gets better. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of yourself than he ought to think. And down here it says, he who gives with liberality. Do it with joy. Do it with generosity. Sometimes your toonie is your generosity. For some, it's going to be a hundred. Some will be a thousand and so on. We're not to look at the amounts. I can't. My heart, God tells me what to give. What does he tell you? <laughs> and God, orchestrating and working with everybody, will allow the needs to be met. Everybody's a participant in it. Give, and it'll be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to your return. There is a clear principle of sowing and reaping. It doesn't only happen with finances. It happens in relationships. Did you know that? As you invest in relationships, it will come back. The more you pour into it, the more you will get out of it. Where giving is framed as both an act of trusting in the grace of God, that sowing grace escalates grace without being a slot machine. The more it happens, the more you become a giver and be aware of the needs going on around you. Because what typically happens, people will look at their own needs, their own budget, for their own stuff. <laughs> and, and not think outside themselves. But when you begin to think outside yourself, your eyes will be opened and you will have a far healthier picture of God's economy in our world. Next. First Timothy. Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But their trust should be in the living God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. This is a powerful verse. Now, I can, I've already heard in churchianity, you know, that people that don't have as much income point at people with a larger income and say, well, start giving then. And they judge harshly. Don't you dare do that. Your eyes are not on them. Your eyes are on Jesus only. Don't you dare compare with anybody else. That's not for you to do. Let God arrange how he's going to do it. He doesn't need your help. He wants you to hear his voice and respond, period. Does that make sense? Almost lastly, leaders, if we have sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have the share from the altar? 
so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. This is where I need your help, to let me keep leading and teaching. Your financial support is critical. Did you hear me club you and say, God's going to bless you and curse you if you don't? If you, no. This is about practical. Make sense? I hope you hear it. Good. Galatians. The one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Hmm, there it is. The elders who rule are well to be considered worthy of double pay honor. Especially, it, it does. It, that's what it's talking about. It really is. No joke. I'm not asking for that. I'm saying that's what it says. That tells you how liberal and generous things need to be so that the work can go out freely. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Attitudes worth giving. I'm going to forget over that because, uh, yeah, see, you don't want me to go through that. Oh, wow. Mm, nah, yeah, see, good stuff. <laughs> Final thoughts. Final thoughts. N.T. Wright says, when we start segregating the gospel out in under grace and under law titles, something I've done in the past, we miss the point entirely. Tithing was something Jews did, only the Jews. As I said in yesterday's post, it didn't carry forward. Not because Jesus has freed you from the law, but because you're not a Jew. Paul's only referencing to money was simple. If you agree with what I'm doing, please support it. It wasn't about legalism or grace. It was about the agreement and friendship. We, do we value relationship? Will we support one another in our various endeavors? We should. You guys are so lucky in hearing a pure grace message week to week. Thank God for it. Don't thank me, because I'm the one who was also blessed with a revelation, and now I'm sharing it. I'm just sharing that with the excitement that has come alive in me and invite you to participate, not just financially, but in the work of it all as we grow and go. Pray for this church. This is a big subject. I don't want to really have to teach on it again for a while, but this is an important subject. And you do hear me sprinkle it in in certain messages. It's, it's there. It's part of our DNA. So today, I hope you heard the gentle... Holy Spirit, speak to your hearts about the truth of what grace giving looks like. I really do. Let's pray. Ushers, will you come? <coughs> Heavenly Father, today I pray you send your Holy Spirit to be the revealer of all that I've tried to share this morning. To be the one who deciphers the attitude in which the message is received and how I sent it out so that my motivation is pure and good and that it's received in the same way. That is my heart for this church family. May we all be grace givers, generous, ready to give at any moment with liberality, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear how we are to give. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.